Okay, so you should have a sermon handout. If you want to open up your Bibles and you want to mark in your Bibles, I encourage you to open to Luke chapter 1. In your Bibles, Luke is one of the... If you have a red letter Bible, you'll see a bunch of red letters, a bunch of red words in there. Um, it's one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. And Luke 1 is one of the best uh, versions of the Christmas story. And so um, I invite you to turn there in your Bibles. We're going to mark it up. Okay, so we are in a series, cell phones muted, hearts open, minds ready. We're in a series called Godly Vision. And uh, what we're doing is we're looking at the vision that God has for our life through his eyes. Not through the eyes of social media, not through the eyes of the economy, not through the eyes of the president, not through the eyes of your relatives, not even through the eyes of your pastor and your friends, but seeing the vision that God has for you through his eyes. And uh, we, we're in some type of a, a role where the title of the sermon is a Hebrew or Greek word. And part one was Hagah. Part two was El Shaddai. Today, for your notes, it's going to be an unusual title. And you probably won't understand it until the very end of the sermon, but it's okay. But today, I want to talk to you in part three about birthing Emmanuel. About birthing Emmanuel. And I'll tell you what the GWU stands for in 30 minutes. Okay, so here's the point of today's sermon. It is God's vision for our life. That he flow through us supernaturally and that we give birth to things that started in the spirit realm, but then come to fruition in our natural realm. Sounds kind of a little weird, huh? It's going to be very exciting, I promise. It is God's vision for your life that you are a conduit of his Holy Spirit supernatural power. Now, when you hear the word or the name Holy Spirit, don't be freaked out by it. It is simply a function of God. The Holy Spirit's name is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it's all God. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, supernatural things happen. God wants to supernaturally heal you the same way he did my son Asher. God wants to supernaturally bring restoration into your future the way he did with Michelle and Greg and how he brought them together in church and how their future is far greater than their past had ever been. God wants to bring you supernatural finances where you look and think, I don't know how I got this. It just came in like my friend Carrie that's been coming to church for the past few months. She told me last week she decided to put God first last Sunday for the first time. Honor God with the tithes. She had been looking for a job. The very next day she got a call about a job making more money than she's ever made at any job her entire life. That's supernatural. God wants to supernaturally deliver you and, and your relatives and your loved ones, the people you're praying for, like he did Philip, who had a drug addiction since 1983 to 2019, like we talked about last Sunday. God wants to do supernatural things in your lives. Um, he, the, the cool thing is, is he has not called you to be supernatural. You do the natural part. He does the supernatural through you. In other words... Um, he's not calling you to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. That's his job. That's the supernatural. Our natural job is to tithe. Um, he's not called you to stop the sun like he did for Joshua. God did that part. Joshua just prayed. Um, the Bible says that the angels move at the beckon of the word. Your natural job is to quote scripture. God's supernatural job is to cause the angels to move on your behalf, to serve, to, to help you out, to supernaturally protect you in different ways. God wants to do supernatural things through you and in your life. And I'm going to tell you how to make it happen today with three easy points. So for your notes, point number one is this. You have to conceive it. This is the supernatural conception part. You have to conceive it. Luke 8, 11 says the word of God is a seed. Every single birth, every pregnancy, every child, it all starts with a seed. 
The greatest seed you could ever get on the inside of you is the word of God. You have to get inside of the word and see the seed that says you are more than a conqueror. You have to find the seed that says God has already crowned you with his favor. You got to find the seed that says by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. It's not just enough for me to preach it. You got to find it in the word and let the seed take root. Anytime God wants to do something new and exciting and big in your life is always going to start with a seed from the word of God. Now, our problem is not conception. We conceive things every day. We just conceive the wrong things. We conceive what we read on social media. We conceive things from our feelings and our emotions and we get on the emotional roller coaster of life. But God's word will always be the most powerful and productive seed you could ever find. But you got to get it on the inside. Isaiah 43, 19 says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. And he will always ask you this. Can you conceive it? He always will ask you before he does anything exciting, anything big, anything new. He will ask you. He won't ask your spouse. He won't ask your friends, your parents, your grandparents, your pastor. He'll ask you, can you conceive it? He goes on to say, I can make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, you don't have to figure out all the details. You don't have to put all the numbers together and say, oh, this is how it's going to work out. It's supernatural. When it's supernatural, the only explanation is the Holy Spirit. God can make a way where there seems to be no way. You look at it and you think, I just don't see a way that I'm ever going to be happy. I don't see a way that I'm ever going to be able to lose this weight. I don't see a way where I'm ever going to be able to pay my mortgage or own my own house. It's okay. You don't have to see the way. You just have to see the one who can make a way. That's all you got to do. Stay focused on the word and you always conceive the right things. Um, a friend of mine who was a multi, multi-millionaire um, real estate developer up in Ohio, he told me the story how 25, 30 years ago when he and his wife had their first child, they were visiting uh, Myrtle Beach and he had just got his real estate license up north. They were visiting Myrtle Beach on a vacation and he was driving down Ocean Boulevard, uh, the north end where the huge mansions are, you know, on the beach, the big, beautiful homes. And as he was driving by, they were looking at this huge brick mansion on the, I mean, on the beach, like right there on the beach. It had the perfect landscaping. I mean, it was like a perfect scene out of a magazine. He said there were big gates at the front of the house that led you into the driveway. And just as they were driving by, he said kind of under his breath, but his wife heard him. He said, man, I could never imagine what it would be like to live in a house like that. When he said that, he said that God spoke to his spirit very strongly and said, don't worry, son, you won't. He got so offended. He thought, God, why would you say that to me? I go to church. I serve you. Why would you tell me that I won't? And God said this to him. If you can't conceive it on the inside, you'll never receive it on the outside. It all starts on the inside, on your heart. What God's speaking to you very clearly about week after week after week. Don't abort that seed. Stay in the word. Keep believing. My friend, when he went back up north, he actually looked up every single scripture in the Bible on money. There's about 1,867 scriptures or so. He read every one on how to handle your money, how to run a business, how to use integrity, how to work hard, what God says about finances. Today, he is a multi-multi-millionaire. And he owns dozens of houses like that that he rents out all over the place. His son is a pastor and he pretty much builds every church and every building and missions groups and all these different things. But it started, it started when he realized if I can't conceive it on the inside, I'll never receive it on the outside. 
Remember um, Abraham and Sarah we've been talking about in this series and how they wanted a child. Well, God comes to him in Genesis 18.10 and said, by this time next year, Sarah will have a son. In verse 12, it says, Sarah laughed when she heard the Lord's words. I wonder how many of you, since you've been coming to Solid Rock, you either start to tune me out at certain points during the sermon, or you laugh on the inside when I say things like, Man, God wants to use you in an incredible way. He wants to use your life to touch thousands of people. He wants you to build churches for him. He wants you to do great things. He wants you to be an influencer in the body of Christ. And you hear these things, and on the inside you think, yeah, but. Yeah, but my past. Yeah, but my lack of education. Yeah, but my, my, my lack of knowing the Bible. All these things on the inside cause you to laugh. It's so funny, God's response to a laugh was in verse 14 where he said, Is there anything too difficult for me? Anything at all listed? Man, listen, I spoke the worlds into existence. Tell me what's too difficult. And then just like a woman, Sarah says, Oh, I didn't laugh. It was a sneeze. That's what it was. It's, <laughs> it was just a sneeze. And I love, I just had to put this up there because it's so funny. The Lord said, no, you did laugh. I heard you laugh. I heard you laugh. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, if we will conceive what God says, then we will give birth to what God wants. If you, will if you want to know God's will for your life, if you want it to unfold, you simply got to conceive what he says. Once you get it on the inside, I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time until it comes on the outside. Now, for those of you that don't know what Roman numerals are, Roman numerals are letters that, that equal numbers. And if you're part of football life, then you know Super Bowls have Roman numerals and things. Okay, so in case you don't know, I just want to show you up here on the screen, the I equals one. Does everybody understand that? And a V equals a five, and an X equals a ten. Okay, now, if you put them together, they make other numbers. Very interesting. Now, don't say it out loud yet. I want us to all think about it. But the next slide. So just think, okay, the I, I, I. Now, hold on. What number is that? Three. Three. Y'all are much better than I thought. I'm, I'm worried about the second service. Okay, X, V, and I equals? Did everybody get that right? Am I get that wrong? Okay, good. Okay. Now, it, 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 now, to me, an IV just equals pain. But, 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 but for this, IV equals? Somebody says Sephora. Sephora. Well, it's okay. It's okay. It's not, we're not at Soxie High School. We're in church. So it's all good. Okay. And this next one's a tough one. Okay. Really tough. Okay. So just throw, show us the next one. But think now. I don't want anyone to shout it out loud. Just think. Hold on. XX. Wait. V. I, I, I. That equals? 28. Y'all are way better than I predicted. That's great. Okay. This next one, okay? I, it, put it on the screen. I, X equals nine. Very good. Now, what if, what if I wanted to put another letter in there? And don't answer. I want you to think. And I don't want this to equal nine. I want it to equal six. So what letter would I put in there? An S. Because S-I-X equals Okay, here's the point. I hope everybody gets it before I get to the point. Everybody does get it, right? S-I-X, X, 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 S-I-X spells six. Okay, you were thinking Roman numeral, Roman numeral, Roman numeral, right? I switched things up because, listen, in English, S-I-X still equals six, right? Here's the point. You don't have to see how it's going to happen. You just have to see Emmanuel because he's the one that's going to make it happen. 
Your mind, I'm telling you, when you get stuck on something in life, your mind goes in one direction. Here's how it's got to happen. Here's how it's got to happen. If it doesn't happen like this, it's not going to happen. And God says, I got a million ways to make it happen. If I can stop the sun for Joshua, I can make it happen. If I can turn Nebuchadnezzar into an animal, I can make it happen. I can take care of your enemies. If I can make Elijah outrun a horse for 20 miles, I can make it happen. I got a way. So number one is, is to conceive it. Number two is this, expect it. Expect it. This is supernatural pregnancy. James 5, 7 says, see how the farmer waits expectantly for the harvest. When a farmer plants a seed in what he knows is good soil, he does not cry and scream and beg, oh, what am I going to do? And I can't wait. He knows that that seed is powerful enough to produce something good. In fact, after the farmer plants the seed, he goes ahead and starts writing out the books. Here's what we're going to sell. Here's how much we're going to make. Here's what we're going to keep. Here's what we're going to do this and our profit. He gets it all planned out. He acts like it, talks like it, believes, walks like it. He gets everything ready because he knows the seed will produce. What do you think is the most powerful seed in the world? It's God's word. You're actually saved by the incorruptible seed of the word. Now, there's some couples here in our church that are the most faithful. Filled couples you could ever, ever, ever imagine. I mean, they are so faithful. I'm going to name them for you. There's Charlotte and Will Korn. Um, there is Nabil and Shamila. Uh, even Hendrick and Trisha, faith-filled. Dan and Erica used to be faith-filled a while back. I don't know if they start, but so filled. They, they, they're really faith-filled. They are so filled with faith that these couples have painted rooms Purchased furniture, made announcements, cried, laughed, hugged, and kissed, and sent out text messages. All because one of them decided to pee on a plastic stick from Target. And it showed a plus sign and everything changed in their life. All because of a little bit of pee on the end of a stick. Now, this is, um, this is a pregnancy test from the dollar store. I don't suggest you use dollar store pregnancy test if you're having... Uh, if you think you're pregnant, because I poured some Mountain Dew on there and it says I'm having triplets, which is kind of funny. <laughs> anyway, anyway, here's the point. I got a question for you. What do you have more faith in? Pee on a stick or the word of God? I wonder how many Christians have more faith in the pee. How many times can I say pee on a stick in one sermon? <laughs> I wonder how many Christians have more faith in a pregnancy test than they do what God has spoken into their life. I mean, because listen, when this thing shows a plus sign, everything changes, right? The mom's, you know, the mom's not any bigger. There's no kick. There's no push. She, they, you know, they, they, they haven't seen the baby. There's been, there's no physical picture of the baby. They don't know if it's a boy or a girl. They don't know. All they know is that a plastic stick from Target has a plus sign and everything in their life changes. Isn't that amazing? How we treat a pregnancy test versus God's word. So fun. There was this guy who was uh, fishing one day down by a stream. And uh, he was all by himself, just minding his own business. And, um, and one day, uh, while he's there, he sees this family down, by the way, about 100 feet away. And this family, there's a, there's a, a mom with some kids. And they got a little fire going. And there's this dad who's fishing, you know. And so this guy that's fishing by himself, he just notices out of his peripheral vision Every time this father catches a small fish, he keeps the small fish, gives it to his wife to cook. Every time he catches a big fish, a big juicy fish, he takes it and he just throws it back in the water. 
This went on for two, maybe three hours. All day, this one guy's just fishing by himself, doing his thing. He keeps seeing this other guy fishing down by the ship, throwing back the big fish, keeping the small fish. Towards the end of his day, he decides, you know what, I'm just going to go by and just talk to the family before I leave, see what's going on. So he's there, and he walks down the way, and he gets to this other family and says, listen, I don't mean to get in your business. I'm not trying to be nosy. Um, I just, I just want to know. I've seen that all throughout the day, every time you catch a small fish, you keep it. And every time you catch a big fish, you throw it back in the water. Can you please tell me why you do that? And the father just smiles at his simple. All we have is a 10-inch frying pan. <laughs> and I wonder how many Christians, every time God says it's time to grow, time to stretch, time to do more, serve more, time to give more, time to be more, you think, you know what, God? It just doesn't fit in my thinking. And we throw back the big fish. God, all, all I have, God, is a 10-inch frying pan. All I have is $100 in the bank. All I have is this little mediocre talent. All I have is a little bit of knowledge. God, I don't have, it just doesn't fit in my thinking. How many of you here today have a 10-inch frying pan? And how many of you have a 100-inch frying the, 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 the size of your frying pan will determine the size of the fish that God brings in your life. God's supernatural power always meets us at our level of expectancy. His supernatural power will always meet you at your level of expectancy. So in Luke chapter one, now uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, her cousin is Elizabeth. Elizabeth's husband is Zachariah. Everybody understand? I'll say it again. Mary, mother of Jesus, has a cousin named Elizabeth. Elizabeth's husband is Zachariah. An angel appears to Zachariah because he's wanting to do something supernatural in the life of Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah. So he comes to her in Luke 1.13. He says this, your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. You'll name him John. He's going to do great things, pave the way for the Messiah. It's going to be awesome. And in verse 18, Zachariah said, do you expect me to believe this? Here's why it won't happen for us. My wife and I are much too Oh, God, all I have is a 10-inch frying pan. How do you expect to do this in my life, God? I've searched it on Google. I can't fit a fish. I've talked to the doctors. i talked to my friends, my mom, my parents. They've been telling me all my life. There's no way this will happen, God. Our frying pan's too small. So how do you think God responded to this man whom he's wanting to do something supernatural in the life of his marriage? With his wife, birth a child. In verse 19, he said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of the one who created the universe. I was just with him a few minutes ago. We were just hanging out because you did not believe. And he says my words. I just want you to think about it. He's saying since you didn't receive the seed. Now he said my words, but really he was speaking on behalf of God. So he was preaching or evangelizing or prophesying. The angel was literally saying, here's what God said. So even though he said my words, he's really saying this because you didn't believe God's word. Because you didn't believe God's word, you will not be able to speak a single word for nine months until my word comes true. Why did he do that? Why did God shut, in fact, if you read the Bible, it's the first place where they talk about, like, they, they refer to, like, sign language or, you know, writing things down in order, or, or to be able to understand what somebody's saying. Nine months. Okay, here's why. If the word is a seed that produces what God wants, then the wrong words are the abortion button 
that gets rid of what God wants to happen. Same thing. If God said so and so, and God said this, 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 and this, that's the word from God. If anyone says the opposite, he, God knew that Zechariah would go hang out with his buddies. They're playing poker. You won't believe what the angel said to me. He said, We're gonna have, have you seen the age of my wife? Do you know how old we are? God knew that his words would cancel out the very thing that he wanted to do in their life. Our limitless God can be limited in our life by our lack of expectation. Now, I can tell you by what you put on social media, I can tell you what you're expecting. By what you say, by what you text, by what you write. Um, the Bible says out of our, our, out of our heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth speaks what's going on inside. So if you ever want to know what's really in somebody's heart, just read their text. Just look at their social media and see what they're writing out. What they literally will write out what they expect to happen. Here's the funny thing is they keep getting what they expect. And they wonder why things aren't changing. Poor old me, I'll never get out of this. And, they, and they'll use memes and they'll use videos. And they think they're, they're, they're faking everybody. We know what's going on. Believe me, we can read between the lines. We know you're upset or you're angry or you're mad or you're depressed. We know. Here's why you keep expecting the wrong thing. Why don't you change what's coming out of your mouth so that your words line up with God's seed and it produces what God wants. Now here's the funny thing. The same angel, the exact same angel appears to Mary just a little while longer. Same angels. And it's, it's even a more impossible situation in this case. You know, I want you to imagine that same angel appeared to you today. And spoke a word to you today. And the word was that God wanted to heal your child. Or God wanted to save your grandchild. Or God wants to start a new business through you. Or God wants to give you an idea that touches the world. Or God wants you to, to step out in faith and do something that you're afraid of doing. Whatever God says to you. And the seed is conceived. And you leave church today. And you just think, yes, I know God can do it. So God dispatches the angel. And Gabe is headed your way. That's what God calls him, Gabe, because they're close. And so he's headed your way. And he's right outside of your home, just about to deliver the miracle. And God says, hey, Gabe, I need you to turn around and come back up to heaven. And Gabe says, what are you talking about, God? It's in your word. I heard you say it. I heard you speak it, God. It's in your word. Why would you tell me to come back? And God says, did you hear what they just said? They just said, I don't see how it can happen in my life. They just said, I'm not smart enough. They just said, I don't know what I would do with that type of anointing. They just said, I don't know if I could even handle something like that. They just said, no, that's not for me. Did you hear what they, they just aborted the very thing that I've been wanting to do in their life for years because of what came out of their mouth. The same angel shows up to Mary in verse 30. Says Mary, you found favor with the Son of God. Uh, with God, he'll, you'll give birth to a son named Jesus. He will be the Son of God. Mary, it's going to be something supernatural. It's going to be amazing. I know you're unpopular. I know you're uneducated. I know you're a teenager. That's because when God does this, there'll be no other explanation but the Holy Spirit. In verse 34, Mary said, how can this be since I'm not married? Verse 35, the angel said, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. In verse 37, some of the greatest words ever recorded. For with God, nothing is impossible. It can happen in spite of your past. It can happen in spite of your parents. It can happen in spite of your pain. It can happen in spite of the banks. Remember I told you a few, a few months ago that... Um, 
that the, the people that owned the guy that owned our house and our family's house wanted to sell it, and we, we and, and I went to five, I went to six different banks, and I couldn't get a loan for our two hundred thousand dollar house because they said I don't make enough money. We were going to lose it. A person bought my house for me for us to keep our house. The bank said no, but if God says yes, all the banks in the world can say no. If God said yes, he'll find a way to make it happen. Mary responded the same way we should all respond when God says he wants to do something supernatural. Because God's not limited by gravity. He's not limited by the stock market. He's not limited by the society. He's not limited by your relatives. He's limited by your lack of faith. And Mary said this in verse 38, let it be done unto me just as you have said. In other words, if God said it, I don't need everybody to cheer me on. I don't need a hundred people to call me and tell me it's going to happen. I don't need to cry and scream and send all these emotional texts to my family and friends. I don't know what I'm going to do. If God said it, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. So sometimes our atmosphere is too small for our dream. You know, it's so funny. I'll pick on the men. The, the, the men are the doubt, were, were the doubters in this story. Remember Joseph? He's going to leave Mary. He's like, now nah, I'm out of here, you know, and the angel stops him. Of course, Zachariah is not going to happen. So funny. God wanted to do something amazing in, in the life of this, these couples. I mean, he wanted to birth something supernatural in both of them. And both men had doubts. And so, um, you know, Mary's pregnant with Jesus and um, Elizabeth is pregnant with John. But the funny thing is, if you read the Bible, it says after six months of being pregnant with John, Elizabeth doesn't feel anything. It's very, very cool how, how it works. It doesn't feel. You know how many Christians are waiting to feel something before they start believing? Or they want to feel something before they step out in faith? Or they want to feel something before they do the right? Listen, you're not always going to feel it. In fact, you're probably going to feel pain sometimes in doing the right thing. It's, sometimes it feels good to do the wrong thing. And Christians want to feel, they always want to feel something. You know, they're all weird, super spiritual. I just, I just need to feel, if I could just feel the spirit. And, and, they, and they say it with a lisp. If I could just feel the spirit, the spirit. You know, it's just like, listen. Actually, that was my T.D. Jakes impression. I'm just kidding. Spirit, feel the spirit. Um, so they want to feel everything. Okay, so Elizabeth, could, I'm going to edit all that out, so don't worry. Elizabeth couldn't feel anything. Because sometimes the place in where you've planted yourself, you're not around people. You're, if you get around 10-inch frying pan people, you're going to end up being a 10-inch frying pan kind of person. I just want you to know that. If you socialize with 10-inch frying pan people, even Christians, the Bible is very clear. There are some Christians you shouldn't hang out with. Because you can hang out with the wrong Christians. They can pull you in the wrong directions. And you'll be believing for 10-inch fish. While all these other people over here have a hundred inch fish in their life. So Elizabeth hadn't felt anything. She hadn't felt anything. Now remember, her cousin's filled with the Holy Spirit. Mary's got the Holy Spirit in her. So Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And as soon as she, and I'm going to say it two different ways. As soon as she speaks into her life, the Bible says she greeted her. She verbalized. She spoke. A woman who was filled with the Spirit spoke to somebody. And in verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's words or greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and moved within her. Did you see that? Came off my sweater. Leaped in her womb and moved within her. And then Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you know you can just get around the right people and everything will change in your life? 
just being around the right people. Um, she was filled with the Spirit. I think it's so amazing. You should always get around people that make your baby leap. When you come to Solid Rock, your baby should always leap. I mean, you should be feeling kicks and punches and like a, like a pair of spanks ripped open. Like something just pops out there and there's a baby's leg and a baby's foot. You should feel that baby moving around when you're at Solid Rock. Point number three is this. you got to receive it. As I live and breathe, I can make you the promise. If you will conceive what God says and you'll expect it, live like it's going to happen, I promise you it's just a matter of time until you receive it. This is the supernatural delivery part. Luke 2.6 says, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her baby. There was no epidural. There was no medicine. There was no doctor. In my mind, there'd be no way. You know, all she had was pain. That's all she experienced was pain. It didn't feel good. It didn't, her emotions weren't backing her up. Saying, oh, this is going to be so exciting. She was filled with pain. You know, when you experience incredible amounts of pain in your life, that's a sign that God wants to do something new and exciting and supernatural in your life. I can actually tell you, in my life, if I look back, the greatest times of pain always open the door to some of the greatest times of healing or the greatest days of wisdom or the greatest revelations I've ever received or the greatest anointing. In fact, I look back, the times I grew in anointing were the times I went through the most hell on earth pain you could ever imagine. And when you feel those spiritual contractions in your life, that's God trying to tell you to push and push and push and push forward. If you'll just push through the pain, if you'll just push through the problems, you'll just push through whatever's got you limited, whatever's holding you back. I promise something supernatural will take place. In verse 7, it says there was no room in the end. So she gave birth to her son, wrapped him in baby cloths, and laid him in a manger. In a barn that was surrounded by animals. Mary was so full, she was bursting at the seams from that word from God. As she delivered the very son of God. Extraordinary things are birthed in extraordinary ways. You know, they, they, they said to name him Jesus. They told that to Mary and Joseph. I want you to understand that the, the word Jesus, the way I say it right now, was never spoken to about 400 years ago. They used the word Yeshua. Remember the New Testament's in Greek, the Old Testament's in Hebrew. Um, and Yeshua is a derivative in, in, in Greek from the Hebrew um, Hoshea which Moses put a J on it and called him Joshua. Um, so in, in, in actuality, Joshua and Jesus are the exact same word. One's derived from Greek, one's derived, it's the same word, and it, all it means is God my Savior. So, you know, of course we say Jesus and that's fine, but what you're saying is you're saying God my Savior. You can also call him Prince of Peace. You can call him the door, the way, the life. You can call him the light. Um, you can call him the only begotten. He has, he has a, a, a plethora of names, but it's all God. God my Savior is what Jesus means. But it's interesting, in uh, Matthew 1, it says, The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. For your notes, it means this, God with us. God with us. Um, <clears throat> the reason that <clears throat> the first Christmas changed everything, the reason the whole universe um, open, the reason that the, 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 the most supernatural, in fact, the most supernatural, amazing three words I could ever read to you, and, and I don't think we'll even quite understand this till we get to heaven, is the words God with us. You have to understand for four to six thousand years, 
man tried to get to God. They did everything they could for man to be with God, man to be with God. In fact, religions all over the world today, they're still trying to do it. If you can just be good enough, if you can do more good than bad, if you blow yourself up and kill other people with you, if you pray a certain direction a certain amount of times a day, if you can just do these things here, then you can be with God. And the beautiful thing about our faith in Christianity is <laughs> all that happened for God to be able to come to us. I, I don't think we can even fathom what that, what that means. God came to us. He came to, he came, the creator put himself under the creation. The creator, the creator had to have the creation to take care of him, to change his diapers, to teach him how to walk and talk. He humbled himself like a man, got off of his throne. I mean, I didn't meet God, my savior. I didn't meet Jesus. I didn't invite Jesus in my lifetime. I was in my twenties, but I look back and discover Emmanuel has been with me. Ever since I was born, before I was born, been pursuing me, been pulling me, been trying to get me to Jesus. I want to close with a story that I rarely, I don't think I've even ever told it from the pulpit because it's a very, um, it's a little bit unrelatable because it has to do with ministry. So I want you to try to see it through my eyes if you can. Um, ministry, sadly enough, is just like any other business. It can be hell or heaven depending on who you have around you and the people that you work with, in all honesty. So... I grew up in a house where uh, my father was a pastor and he actually had the largest church in South Carolina, the largest non-denominational church in South Carolina in the um, 80s. Um, that's when charismatic churches just started to um, evolve and, and take root there. There were all denominational churches before that where you had to go through all these lines and they tell you where to pastor and where to preach. But then just like the New Testament, people began to start their own churches. and. Um, uh, my dad had a television show that ran all through the eastern seaboard called Good Morning Jesus. And he had a college, an academy, a daycare. He had a, uh, there was like a Christian restaurant. He had a bookstore, huge campus, thousands of thousands. And this is the 80s. Thousands of people from all over the world would come there. Uh, he had a radio program. He had his own radio station. I mean, it was, it was huge. But also with all the good things that happened in non-denominational churches in the 80s, there were also bad things. Uh, there were a lot of church splits. And a church split is where... Um, a pastor hires another pastor and trains that pastor, and then that pastor doesn't like something, or they butt heads and thinks, well, I'll go start my own church. I'll be the senior pastor. So they call 100 people to come follow them to their church. And this happened a lot, you know, my childhood all growing up. Um, 100 people leave here, 100 people there, but it was still a pretty massive church. Well, when I was 11 years old, we went through our worst church split ever. And um, all I remember is one Sunday, you know, I, I was 11. They, they put me in a little snare drum with brushes, and I would be on the music team, you know, over by the drummer. But there was a, a choir of 100 people, all wearing choir robes. There was an orchestra, band, uh, organ, piano, drums. I mean, everything. The church is packed, and that's what it was like on a Sunday morning for us. And then uh, something happened, and I, was, I didn't really know because I was so young. But the next week, we show up, and nobody's there. You know, it goes from thousands to being thousands of people on, on, on 25 acres of a campus to 12 people and all I remember is my parents sunk into a horrible depression especially my mom and you know you should never um you should you should always try to avoid your children seeing you depressed discouraged um in pain upset because what it does is it, it, it causes them to have the burden to fix it you know a child always wants their parents to be okay and so um 
uh, at one point, um, my dad decided he was just going to have to leave us and go get help, you know, go to some place, check in somewhere, because he was so distraught that his friends and his staff and everybody and all this would happen. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter. It's just, it shouldn't. It's okay to leave a church, but you don't call 100 people when you leave and you don't say negative things anyway. Because, you know, pastors have families too, you know. And so, um, so I'm 11 years old and my dad has all his bags packed. And all I know is he's going to go, you know, get help or whatever. So while he's there, he's about to leave. And I never saw my dad at all up until that point because he worked so much. And of course, he's repentant for that now. But, you know, um, I went to bed before he got home. And when I woke up in the morning for school, he was already gone. Workaholic. And so 11 years old, he's got his bag packed. And I went up to him to tell him bye. And I said, Dad, if I learn how to play the piano, will you let me play in church? He said, because I knew he didn't have anybody. I knew there was nobody there. So that I'll be the one to, you know, fix everything. And, and he just said, yeah, sure. That'd be great. No big deal. And then he leaves. It was a Friday night. And my mom always prayed with us every single night. She always prayed with us. And she put music on in our rooms every night to fall asleep in Christian music. And uh, this is the first time that I can ever remember praying on my own. And I was 11 years old. And I said, God, please teach me how to play the piano, and I'll play in church for the rest of my life. I didn't think anything of it. I thought, okay, if you want something, you just ask God. That's all you do. The next morning was Saturday morning, and I watched my cartoons. I played with some baseball cards, and we, we lived in a big old mansion of a home. Um, I think I was in my, my dad had a library at the house, so I was in there watching TV, just, you know, in his study, just thinking about him, and I walked through the house to the Florida room. I can remember it very specifically. There's a, we had a big piano in the Florida room, and my dad has a master's degree in music. He was a concert piano player before he went into ministry. So there was classical piano books always laying around. As I walked by the piano, I saw one of the books were open, and when I saw the notes on the page, my mind told me exactly what to do. So I sat at the piano, and I put the music there, and I just started playing the piano. I put another one there. I just started playing. See, people think I play by ear. I can't play by ear at all. That's I'm practically tone deaf. That's why I can't sing. If, if, I could, if I could play by ear, I'd be able to sing. I can't sing a note because I can't hear. It's all sheet music, photographic memory, and music theory that God taught me in one night while I was sleeping. So three months later, I don't know the timeline, two months later, you know, when you're a child, it all kind of goes together. My dad comes home. I said, Dad, guess what? I learned how to play the piano. He said, okay, sure, that's great. I said, no, Dad, come in here. And I knew he loved classical music, which I never did. But I thought he likes classical music, so I'll play some for him. So I put Fur Elise on the piano, and I just started playing it. He looked at me, he looked back at the piano. He put a hymnal in front of me, I just started playing it. He put a chorus book on it. I just started playing it. He said, what happened? I said, I learned how to play the piano. I asked God, I, said, I, I can play the piano. It's as simple as that. That day, I discovered that Emmanuel was with me. And even though I wasn't yet saved, Emmanuel guided me through that supernatural experience. And he used it to get me to places of repentance and wisdom and healing to the point of salvation. And that one night forever changed my life. To this day, music has guided my life. For the next 15 years, I played the piano for my dad and for my father every single Sunday without missing a beat.
That was a pun on words right there without missing a beat. So here's what I want to do. It's funny, but just by happenstance, one of the, 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 one of the songs I played the very first Sunday at 11 years old, the very first Sunday ever, I played this song, and I want to play it for you one time through, and then if you know it, you can, you can sing along. sacrifice to get to us. Thank you that we realized there was nothing we could ever do to get to you on our own. Thank you, Lord, that for all of our life, you've been pursuing us, running after us, pulling us toward you. Thank you, Lord, that you have the desire and the power to do something supernatural in all of our lives. creativity, supernatural wisdom, ideas, the ability to, to make money in a great way, the ability to lead people, a prayer life that changes things. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God of the supernatural. You're not an average God. You're not an ordinary God. You're not a natural God. You're a supernatural God. Hallelujah. If you're here today uh, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I just want to if you have this strong desire that you know God wants to just birth something supernatural in your life, I mean, just something that you, you've been feeling on the inside, that there's something God wants to do in my life in which nothing will be able to explain it but the Holy Spirit. There's, and probably, if you're this person, it's probably a thing where you've been really trying in your own strength really hard. 
like you think I've done this, 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 this. It just doesn't seem to happen. It just I've tried everything I can, and I just don't see a way. I don't see how it's going to happen, but I need this to take place in my life. I need Emmanuel to come into my life and do something that only he can do. And if that's you today, I just want you to lift your hand so I can pray for you. Okay, right now, I see those hands right now. God, thank you for your supernatural power. Not just that natural stuff, not stuff we can figure out, but stuff that we look back and say it had to be the hand of God. There's no way an 11-year-old could read sheet music overnight without the Holy Spirit. There's no way a child could be healed when all the doctors said he's going to die but the Holy Spirit. There's no way this door would open but the Holy Spirit. There's no way this friend could come into my life at just the right time except for the Holy Spirit. So we thank you right now and we ask that your Holy Spirit just pour out on this place today. Lord, put those seeds of your word inside of every person with their hand raised. Speak the word to them right now. Speak what you want to do in their life. Lord, convict them so strongly to start expecting it and to not abort that seed and to not get around people that will cause them to abort that seed, but put them around people that will make their baby leap. And I thank you, Lord, that the, the, the birth is just a matter of time. Thank you, Lord, that when they feel that pain, they're going to push and push and push and push. And then one day they'll be able to stand up and say, you know what? When I went through that awful time in my life, God opened up a door and it had to be the Holy Spirit. There's no other explanation for why I am where I am and why I have what I have. But Emmanuel showed up. God came into my life and everything changed. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Y'all.